but at the same time, it is a privilege uh, to be given the opportunity uh, to handle the things of God. Not that I feel in any way qualified to do this, but it is one of those things that even though you are inadequate, but you feel delighted to do, uh, because every time you are given the opportunity to share the word of God, it is a privilege and something to be very joyful about. We are continuing our studies in Romans, uh, um, in, Rom in the book of Romans, and my portion is chapter five of the book. And I will always uh, encourage everyone to say, uh, as even though uh, these different passages are being handled by different brothers uh, in the meeting, but I want you to, to look at them as a, continu a continuation. It's one conversation that is progressing um, uh, to its eventual conclusion at the end of Romans. So always be mindful of the things that have already been discussed before. Uh, as we know, the original uh, writings, they obviously didn't have chapters and verses and things like that. We're very grateful for chapters and verses which help us maneuver around uh, the passages. But let us be mindful of the fact that it's one writing. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's a continuation of the same message from the last, progressing systematically up to the uh, final pages of the writings. So my portion is chapter five. For continuation, um, because this is one book, I'm just going to read from uh, verse 23 um, of chapter four. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Uh, speaking of Abraham, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of, the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience works experience and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And as always, we believe and know that the Lord always blesses the public reading of his word. Our precious Lord, we thank you for yet another opportunity to, hope, to open your holy word, which we know, O oh Lord, cannot be received by the carnal mind, but can only be received by the Spirit. Teach us, therefore, make us teachable, and that, O oh Lord, would capture those things that we so desire to understand for the benefit of us whilst we're still here on the side of the veil. We ask all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there's a couple of issues that I would want to draw out from the passages that we have, we have just read. Now, from the previous passages, having the word having so eloquently argued the case for justification, the means by which we come to God. Now, we have come to a point where we now conclude that, therefore, we now agree that the justification by God, our standing by God, is only through faith. And so this passage is then takes from that conclusion. So what we're going to look at, because now we understand how it is that it is by faith, so what does faith do for us? What are these benefits that then ooze out from the result of our justification that we attain by faith. So the first thing that we, we see here that scripture tells us straight away is that there is ceasefire with God. There is peace with God. Now, we have to understand these things very fundamentally because some of the things that we're going to talk about today, while my words may fail to articulate accurately, my heart truly understands it. So, if I fail in my words, my excuse is English is my fourth language. But otherwise, I want you to understand the things that we're going to grasp because sadly, even amongst Christians, it is true that there is sometimes anxiety amongst us because there is this sense of insecurity that we have in our eternal destination. There are some believers, good believers, that personally, as human as I can tell, I am confident that there we are, we'll be at home together. But there is sometimes a shaking in their faith, mainly because I think because of the fault of us brothers who haven't communicated some of these things in a better way that will secure a believer in the Lord. So some of those things, we'll just we'll, we'll try to build them up in the next coming minutes. So the first thing that we understand is that because of faith, now because we are justified by faith, there is ceasefire with God. 
What does this tell us? What this tells us is every man and woman that is walking down on the streets, every religion, every faith, every person on this planet who has not come to God by faith, to be justified by faith, is at war with God. Why do we have a gospel meeting today in the afternoon? Because there is a war that is raging out there. They may not know it, or they may not want to recognize it because their pockets are full, because they've got influence in political circles, but there is a raging war that is happening out there. We are trying to snatch them. We are literally trying to save lives. What we do this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we'll be literally trying to save lives. There are people that are going to die. Because these people, they are at enmity. We'll see this later on in the passage. They are at enmity with God. I wish we would understand this with our brothers, with our sisters, with our mothers, with our cousins, with our relatives that are not saved. That they are at war with God. And this is a war where the outcome is already predetermined. This is a war which they will lose. This is a war in which they will die. But for such as have come to God by faith and now have been justified by God, what scripture tells us is that that war comes to an end. There is cease fire. I like history. Not, not from school. The school history, I hated it. But the history that I came to come across in this country, I love it. Me and my wife were always playing the remote control. There's always a fight. I like the History Channel. She likes document documentaries and things like that. And one of the stories that I learned was that during the World War II, the fighting forces were entrenched in their trenches, right? They were shooting each other. And then I think it was at Christmas time. There was a moment of peace. There was ceasefire. Ceasefire was declared. And apparently, they got out of their trenches. And they were interacting. I think they played football or something like that. Yeah, they played football. There was ceasefire. Guns went silent. This is, this is a picture of what happens when we come by faith to God. There is ceasefire with God. We should understand that we are now at peace. With God. This has got nothing to do with what of with our failings in our lives as believers. This has got to do with how we are now positioned in Christ because of his work. Our position at any given time is that there is no more war with God. There is no sword that is coming for us. Get that. Take it to the bank. Remind yourself that day when it doesn't feel like it. Because guess what? You are still in a fallen body and living in a sinful world. But you can tell the enemy when he whispers to your ear next time round, you can tell him, 
Not because you are good. Not because you are doing so well in your life. Not because this week you felt like you were more holier than you were last week. But by the fundamental declaration of the word of God. That because God has now justified us. No enmity with me and God. End of story and full stop. You will be called arrogant for this, but this is knowledge that you should sink in your heads and that we should explain to people very clearly about the message that we preach of reconciliation with God. Point number two, what does this justification mean? do for us? What are these benefits that we now attain because we've come to God by faith? Number two, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we also have access. Access by faith into his grace wherein we stand. Now, that word stand is a judicial term which grants us the right to be there. You see, in those times, you couldn't show up at the king anytime you wanted. You wouldn't. And let alone open up your mouth. That would be a death sentence. You had, the king had to extend a scepter to you, had to grant you the permission to stand in his presence. So it wasn't just anybody willy-nilly kind of experience. You had to be given the right, the legal right to stand in the presence of a king. Otherwise, if you just showed up, you would die. But what faith does, what this justification does to us is that suddenly we have now doors being opened and we are now allowed to access and we can stand in the presence of God. And rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. I was thinking about this last night. Have we stopped for a moment to think about the glory of God? What do you think is the glory of God? We have now been given access to stand in awe of all of the magnificence of the glory of God. You know what? When I was thinking about it, when we get to heaven, we are going to be in all fours. Not because we'll be praying, but we'll be picking up our jaws. We were going to be so awestruck with the glory of God that we can't even begin to imagine whilst we're still here. We cannot even begin to imagine. 
One of the reasons our Christian lives are so dead and so without fruit is because we haven't grasped the things that are yet to come, that are ours. We haven't. The reason we are so attached to the things of this world is because our appreciation are so small to the things that God has in store for us. Our jaws are are going to drop. Folks, have you heard that where we are going, there is no pain? News flash. There are no tears there. Do you know that? Have you heard that where we are going, there is no death? Did you know that? Do you even start to phantom those things? Can we even begin to think? Amongst us, there are great many pains. This is the truth. We, we, we are not going to lie. Whilst we are still here, there are great many pains that we are going to go through. And indeed, some of our dear beloved saints are going through very dark, dark periods. I have phoned Howard Coles and Mary three times, and they are not picking. You would remember Howard Coles who was here with our sister Mary. If anybody has got an update, please give me, because I know that they are going through a dark period. But boy, to my brother Howard and to my sister Howard, and to my sister Mary, all this pain and all this suffering, all these tears, they would dry up. All the heart aches as they lie down on their pillows alone. They are going to be consumed by the glory of God. There won't even be a moment to even think how painful that pain was. The glory that awaits us, that we have been given access to, no matter how much as believers we go through in this world, folks, it's going to be nothing. Now, I'm not trying to belittle the pain that is real, that saints are enduring on this side of the veil. But let us hold, let us get hold of this. That because we have been justified, because of that hand of faith that has reached out to God, that access has now been opened to us. And we are now legally invited and wanted to be in the presence of that glory that we are now invited to, 
the glory that is going to wipe away all our tears, all our suffering, all our hunger, and all our thirst is now ours. That is the only way you can understand why the saints of old sang hymns as flames consumed them from their feet up to your head. This is how, is it Jim, is it Maranatha sisters or something like that in Scotland who were tied to the river as the tide rose up and they sang hymns until they drowned to death. This is how the Apostle Paul, even though he was told, if you go to Jerusalem, you are going to suffer. You are going to die. And to him, that didn't compare at all. Why? Why? Have you asked yourself why? Because they have grasped. They, has, they have grasped these things. I pray to God that we would grasp them. They are going to prepare you in this world and they are going to propel you in the darkest of periods that you'll be going through when we know and understand what our justification in God gives us. Number three, and not only so, but we rejoice, we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Do you see how this is building up? Because we now know these things, and because now we know we're given a glimpse of the glory of God, what does it do to a believer's character? What does it do? The character develops. As the world throws its worst at us, but what happens is that we acquire experience. We acquire, first of all, patience, which is perseverance. Because we are able to see things that this world cannot see, these sufferings of this world certainly cannot compare to the glory that lies ahead. Because we now see it. Certainly this suffering of this world cannot be compared. And it builds within us Perseverance, patience. And with a patience, what comes with us? It comes experience, which is character. What is the character of a believer? What do we do in times of hardness? What do we do? Do we throw down our hands as people that are not that have no hope? What defines your joy in your life is when things go okay or when you know that you are justified in Christ. And with this, with this 
perseverance, and then with this character, it gives birth to hope. And now, I like the way scripture does it. And then it says, and hope makes not ashamed. What does that mean? It's as if here scripture says to us, with experience, we get hope. Then it puts one, two, three dots as if to leave us in a cliffhanger. And then the Spirit of God, by faith, takes us, fast forwards us to the end and shows us the things that God has in store for us. And then rewards very fast and comes back to where he left us. And he says to us, you see, I told you so. This hope is not going to disappoint you. Your hope is not in vain. He takes us to the end. He shows us. He shows us. Now you can't grasp this by your carnal mind. You have to understand how how faith is so important in the things of God. How it is important that we are only justified by, by faith. Because when Israel was in the wilderness, they cried out because they saw, right? God told them that I am going to deliver you to a land. Right? But because they hadn't seen the land, they cried out about the things that they had seen before. All the cucumbers, all the leeks and the garlics. When they, were, when they were starving in the wilderness, they couldn't see the meat. And because they couldn't see the meat, they could only relate to the things that they had seen. This is why... There is no other way that we can be justified. They, they, are, they are walking with God was only in so far as they can relate to their practical experiences, to the things that they have seen in the past. But faith is not like that. Faith is not like that. Faith takes God at his word and sees things that the carnal mind cannot see. Faith is that conviction that then builds in a believer to see beyond the natural. And here the scripture of God, the spirit of God takes us to the end to show us that our hope is not in vain. Folks, our hope is not in vain. They are amazing things that are at the end. Our hope is not in vain. And scripture takes us there and then comes back and then tells us that, you see, your hope will not be ashamed. There is not, we are not going to stand there and ask ourselves, why on earth did we put up with this? Oh, this was a waste of time. There is nothing like that. It is solid. It is gold. It is guaranteed by God himself that our hope the things that we hope for, we hope for, the end that we are looking forward to, is certain it is there. Faith has already seen it. It is there. And because we have seen it, we can come back today and say, our hope will not be ashamed. We have seen it. Why? 
Because the love of God. Now, if you're anything like me, one of the first things that the enemy attacks in my life when I'm going through a hard time is questioning the love of God for me. I'll be honest. God, you don't care. God, you don't understand. It's one of those cheapest shots that the enemy uses, at least in my life. But I am thankful to the Spirit of God because he has told me. Now I know. He still does it. But now I know. And I will tell you, dear folks, this is how I have managed in life. I tell the enemy, I know the love of God. You cannot tell me otherwise about the love of God. I know the love of God. He knows, the enemy knows now that he cannot convince me, though I may have times when I am down, though I may feel that pain, but he cannot convince me that God doesn't love me. He can try, but he cannot convince me that God doesn't love me. So, because the love of God is now shared abroad in our hearts, how? How does it do it? By his Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is that it indwells a believer at that point that they are saved. I know in Christian circles we have mistaught this, that somehow, even though you are saved, you have to acquire the Holy Spirit somehow. Now, there is a different subject about being filled in our daily lives, okay, with the Spirit of God. It's a separate subject. But as far as the indwelling of the Spirit, it is at that moment that we are saved. And because we have the Spirit of God, at that moment we are saved, he is the one who declares these things to us in our hearts. I know that. Because he has done so to me. On the days when the chips are down, and I know that the love of God, even though we are in times of tribulation, but I know that the love of God, I know that 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 the love of God will never leave me. Who can separate us? Do you see how these things build together? Who can separate us from the love of God? Tribulation? Nah. Nah, folks. Hunger? Nah. Nah. You'd, if you think that you don't know the love of God, the love of my God, is far, far beyond any of these things. I'm trying to run as fast as I can, folks, but at the same time, I just want to emphasize these things. Verses 6 to 7. For when we, 6 to 8, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the verse before us tells us that the love of God is shared in our hearts, is now witnessed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Even though we are going through these tribulations, the verses before that, and as these tribulations uh, build in us the character that we ought to be as believers, and now we know that our hope is not in vain. How do we know that? The scripture reminds us. Now, what, what is the Holy Spirit doing here? He is trying to build in us, in us eyes that have got the glasses of God. We ought to look at God in the rightful manner that he is. Because the world is going to lie to you. I have met many people who question the character of God because of their experiences of life in life. That's because they don't understand God. But what scripture here is telling us, he's saying, he's reminding us, he's saying, look, yes, you are going through this tribulation. You are now justified, and by faith, you are going to go through tribulations, but through this tribulation, you are going to build a character, and this character builds in us this hope that we have for a better world that is yet to come, and that is witnessed in us by the Holy Spirit. And if you are still questioning that, remind yourself that when God came to you, remember you were not a good person. Are you having doubts about God? Remember that when you and I were saved, he did not save us from a better position. He saved us from a worst position possible. So what is the spirit of God doing here? He is saying, understand this, dear believer. As we go through this life, it's going to be hard. And we will experience very difficult circumstances. But you should have, you should prepare yourself now, beforehand, by having a proper view of who God is, his character. And he's reminding us of the fact that it was God who reached out to you. Remember? He reached out to you. And he reached out to you when you were weak, when you were filthy, when you were dirty, when you were undeserving, when you were hateful of him, when you were at war with him. He reached out to you. That is the God of the Bible. This is my God. This is the God before whom we now stand, that we have access to. And this is the God who has saved us to himself. Remind yourself that he reached down to us and he saved us to himself. Now, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Would God, who has saved us, when we were at such a low point, 
would he now forsake us to perish? That's what basically that, that's what that, that verse is saying. Would he now forsake us to perish? No. We are going to be saved. We are not going to perish. He is going to save us. He is going to save us. That is the God of the Bible. Verse 10. Maybe I'll conclude with this. For if when we were enemies, we were... If, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What does this mean? I try to think of the best way of phrasing this. If Christ accomplished our deliverance in his death, now as a risen savior, as he lives today, would he fail? If death being a symbol of weakness as it is, Christ out of it delivered enormous power that saved us, how much more the Christ that lives today and is seated at the right hand of the Father? What is this saying to us? Eternal security. Even when he was dead, I use the word respectfully here because I'm speaking of the Lord. Even when he died, he delivered us. In the very strongest power of weakness that sin has brought in this world, he punched out with the mighty power. His death gave us power. In his death, he saved us. How much more now that he lives and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Would the sealed tomb deliver or accomplish more than an empty tomb? Ask yourself that. No. My Savior lives and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Look what he did in his death. How much more so now that he is glorified and is in heaven, would he let you down? Would he fail us? No. You haven't grasped these things. Because if you did, you would praise with me and say, and not only so, but we now rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. 
Words fail to express these things, I would confess. But I invite you to rejoice and enjoy them with me because they are not written in words. They are shown abroad in my heart by the Spirit of God, whom him only can really properly communicate these things to you. We are living in very difficult times, folks, and saints are hurting. We need to encourage one another with these words. This is the word of God, and it never lies. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and our good Savior, you who knows the hearts of men and women, before you nothing is hidden. There are no words, Lord, that can fully express how grateful we are because we have you. But Lord, we know that we are loved by you. And we know that because